Hello, my name is Will, and you're listening to Exploding Helicopter, still the only podcast in the world dedicated to celebrating helicopter explosions in film. In 1987, a new cop show hit TV screens in America. It focused on a specialist unit of youthful-looking cops who would work undercover to solve crime and social issues. The series, which provided an early starring role for Johnny Depp, was called 21 Jump Street. The programme ran for five seasons before disappearing in 1991, seemingly into permanent obscurity. But then, in 2012, 21 Jump Street was given a big screen reboot as an action comedy vehicle for Channing Tatum and Jonah Hill. Two years later, its sequel and the subject of this episode appeared. So on this show, we're looking at 22 Jump Street. Now, it's only fitting that for a film about two mismatched cops forced to work together, that my partner for this show is someone I can't stand. Although if the rules of 80s buddy cop movies apply, our fractious relationship should, by the end of the podcast, develop into one of grudging mutual respect. He's the Myrtle to my rigs, the Crockett to my tubs, and the Turner to my hooch. I'd like to welcome back to the show, Dara Zdani. Hello, Dara. What an intro. That kind of sums up our, our relationship. Uh, how are you going, Will? It's good. Nice to have you back. It's been a while. I've been uh, flirting with uh, other podcasters. I hope you're not the jealous type. You know, this is an open relationship. I think uh, we've established that. So, you know, I'm a, I'm a modern man. I'll, I'll, you know, I'll just have to pull my weight. I want you to know that I'm... You know, I might go off and uh, play with other podcasters, but I'm I'm always going to come home to you, Dara. Yeah, I know that. I'm securing that knowledge. But before we talk about 22 Jump Street, I uh, wanted to get you warmed up by asking you to tell me about something interesting you've seen lately. Well, I don't know if you've heard of this film. It's quite an in- indie film. Not had a lot of publicity. I think it's called Star Star Wars. That's it. Star Wars. Is this the one with uh, Captain Kirk and Spock? Uh, I didn't get the names. It could, it, I, I'm not sure, but they're in space. Um, in all seriousness, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm quite, obviously anyone around our age will be big fans of the Star Wars franchise having grown up with it. And like many people, very disappointed by the, the prequels. I think you could say penned by, I think they were mostly penned by George Lucas and they were, they weren't great. They sort of set to kids. So everyone was very keen to see what the new, uh, the new JJ Abrahams helmed film would be like. And I, I really enjoyed it. I have to say it was, <laughs> he got, he's got away with murder really. He basically, he's sprinkled the nostalgia all over the new version of Star Wars and people have lapped it up and kind of a lot of them perhaps overlooked the fact that it is basically exactly the same film as A New Hope albeit with uh, slightly amended characters. Well, I've got a very similar take to you because I really enjoyed this, but I couldn't get as excited as, as many people seem to get about this film for precisely the reason that you say, in the sense that it follows exactly the same sorts of beats as the first film. And it sort of, a little bit worryingly, it seems to be sort of setting up plot arcs which are just going to replicate the original trilogy. So... Okay. I'm really sort of wondering where they're going to go with the next film because they, you know, they, they're not going to, I think, as you were saying, they surfed a certain wave here of like nostalgia. There are a lot of callbacks to the original movies. I felt slightly too many. And are they going to keep that up in the next film? It's going to start feeling a little bit like Star Wars tribute band. Uh, <laughs> if they, <laughs> if they uh, start, mind you, I would quite happily go and see a, a, uh, a tribute would. cantina band, but. Um, exactly. And that's and that's why this film has like broken box office records because people love Star Wars. They want to see another one, and that's what he's given them. I saw an interview with him where he, they have mentioned that the the sequel is going to be darker, but that's kind of exactly what happened in Empire. That was a much darker film, probably 
most people would say the best of the series. Um, you've got another situation where it ends with Luke Skywalker, you know, dressed as Yoda about to train a young new Jedi kind of reminds me of another film, but so how, how are they going to get out of it? As you say, how are they going to make it you know fresh and interesting? That will be a big challenge. I don't think it will be that fresh or interesting. Well, we will find out whether we uh, want to or not, because if, you know, they're making these films, they're coming down the pipe, so we're going to find out what yeah. they're going to do. They're, going to, they're all going to watch them, let's face it, whatever they're like. Okay, Dara, let's get stuck into 22 Jump Street. Well, I hoped never to see you again. What's up, dog? We're back. Ladies, nobody cared about the Jump Street reboot, but you got lucky. So now this department has invested a lot of money to make sure Jump Street keeps going. The only problem is the Koreans bought the church back, so we're moving you across the road to 22 Jump Street. You two sons of bitches are going to college. Oh, so tight. We'll go around to classes and activities, ask around about the drug, find out who the dealer is. If you don't have to do this, man, I just don't want you to get hurt. I'm not going to get hurt. So 22 Jump Street came out in 2014. It sees Channing Tatum and Jonah Hill reunited once again to go undercover to bust up a drugs ring, but this time in college. If that plot sounds very similar to 21 Jump Street, you wouldn't be mistaken, and the writers exploit that in quite funny ways throughout the film. The film was written and directed by Phil Lord and Christopher Miller, who are maybe best known for their animation work with the Lego movie and Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. But Dara, I um, I think this is the first time watch for you. What did you make of 22 Jump Street? Well, I've seen 21 Jump Street, and I, you know, I quite enjoyed it and this kind of this was the same i got the same sort of feeling out of this i you know i enjoyed watching the film it didn't set me alight. it wasn't there wasn't anything too um there wasn't anything new in it for me some of bits worked quite well it was very very self-aware and sometimes it went a bit too far a bit self-referential i thought it got a bit annoying after a while it's just a vehicle for the Channing Tatum and Joni Hill just to ask about, but and, and I think there's a lot there's a lot of improvisation. I, I must say I do like films where characters are allowed to improvise. If you get two good actors who can kind of riff off each other, sometimes it can be brilliant. And obviously you can cut out, you know, the magic of uh, cinema. You can edit out all the or unfunny jokes, a bit like our podcast. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I enjoyed it, um, but it, you know, it, it wasn't it wasn't amazing. It wasn't it wasn't up there with some of the maybe other spoof cop films we've seen in the past well i perhaps enjoyed this a bit more than you i found this a really sort of fun movie uh, i think it's one of those films that you just uh, sit down switch your brain off open a beer and, and have a good time with and uh, you know i thought that it, you, you know it's not a film that really uh, hangs around it, it rattles off its jokes so if a couple of them fall flat they're moving on to the next gag which you might find funny so I would agree with you. It does descend into uh, an area of self-referential humour, which is a little bit dangerous sort of territory, because if you're poking fun 
at your own film saying this is naff but hey we're all we're all in on the joke together i think that's you're on a bit of a tightrope there because you're potentially in a situation where you're just pointing out to the audience the deficiencies in your own film i don't think the first film is good enough for you to keep referring to it yes i get some of the kind of you know references to 80s buddy cop movies that they they were doing on you know during the film yeah some of that's funny I, i don't know it wasn't i don't think it was done in a clever enough way to sort of i didn't appreciate it as much maybe it was a that I found it a bit basic. Some of the it's a bit too obvious. Yeah, the humour in this film is pretty broad. So there's yeah. there's quite a lot of slapstick and and physical humour. They make a lot of fun of the tropes of cop movies, but it's not mm. in the most sophisticated way. You know, films that have gone before, like a you know, I'd put um, this in sort of realms of the hot fuzzes or loaded weapons, but not quite up there in the kind of naked guns or dare I say it. Uh, overlooked film the other guys i think we've reviewed before which i found very funny a lot of it's down to the characters the, the actors themselves they were, as i said a lot of this film was probably um you know, it was loosely scripted and they have to improvise and some of the things work but it's not that you know the, their chemistry is good but it's not great you've mentioned some of the other films that uh 22 jump street is similar to films like the naked gun hot fars loaded weapon which have all exploited similar sorts of territory how well do you think this stacks up against those films where would you kind of like place it against those ones i'd give it a sort of solid b minus uh in relation to those where you know a naked gun i'd give an a that's i mean that's there's a lot, a lot of variety in naked gun in the way that they tell the jokes as sight more sight gags the way that the the way it's scripted is a lot more original well i think there's a little bit more character humor in the naked gun i think this film is is very much one-liner driven so i think you know they're slightly different they're going for slightly different uh comedic goals here i I would agree with you i think naked gun is the the gold standard of spoof cop movies and i think its tone apes a little bit more a traditional cop show so i think that gives them uh, an extra area of humor and comedy that they can exploit but one of the things i really liked about 22 jump street was the way it treats the partnership between uh, channing tatum and jonah hill as if it's a, as if they're a romantic couple and i thought yeah, that, that that's was quite well done i thought that they made a lot of comedic capital out of that and also the fact that this is set in a in a college as well so they can uh, have some fun with the tropes of college life or college films that you've seen before as well yeah to be fair some of those elements were quite good i mean i quite enjoyed the sort of traditional pastimes of uh university i'm sure i'm sure will you've partaked uh, a few times my favorite um scene in the film is actually the tripping sequence when they're the guys are high on on wi-fi the drug that they go into basically find out how it's proliferating amongst the college and it's this is this is the bit i enjoyed because it really was done in a sort of clever way where they have to a split screen and uh, obviously jonah hill has taken the drug and he's having an absolute nightmare he sort of descended into the realms of hell and on the other side of the screen is channing tatum and he's got bluebirds circling around his head and his rainbows and everything it was just done in a very funny fresh clever way yeah because they had in 21 drump street they had a tripping out on drug scene and that 
was a fairly sort of conventional take on how you would do that sort of scene. Whereas I agree with you, 22 Jump Street was a much more imaginative way of doing it. And it is really at odds with the with the style in the rest of the film. But I think it really works, actually, yeah. for it to be that different because the characters are supposed to be in a altered state of reality. So you can exploit that with the viewer. And I think they do that really successfully with that scene here. Yeah, I mean, that's the, I enjoy that. I don't know what you what was your favourite moment in the film was it something a bit more prosaic (laughs) um i really enjoyed the scene where jonah hill finds out that he's been dating uh, his boss's daughter and there's a very uh, awkward scene where they all uh, have to sit down as two families together and i guess you know if i maybe if i was more imaginative i would have seen that coming but i didn't see it coming and it just really really enjoyed that particular moment in the film ice cube is playing your classic yelling black police chief in this movie (laughs) (laughs) you know a real staple of 80s cop movies and he gives a good example of the art form here and yeah that character is perfect to have the uh, horrible news that jonah hill has been uh has been talking uh, his daughter (laughs) You uh, put it so delicately, Dara. <laughs> Actually, the bit, uh, you just remind me, the bit where he's smashing up the, he goes, what's a black man got to do to get a f- crap around here? That that bit was funny. And then he goes and smashes up the whole a buffet table. Uh, and that was obviously definitely unscripted. And he's just improvised. He's, gone, he's just suddenly gone mental and starts smashing up quiches and chickens. I thought that was actually quite funny. It takes me on to Ice Cube. Is he a, you know, a comedic actor? Some bits are quite funny in this. I don't know if I would say he's a. Is he? He does a lot of. There's a new film that he's doing called. Uh, is it? What's it called? Ride. Ride along. Ride along. They're on. To, they're on. To, it's Ride Along Two that's coming out. Ride Along Two. I don't think the reviews for it are great. It might not be a comedy classic. I can. I can probably. I've got a vision of what those films are in my mind, and I, I can imagine he's playing some streetwise tough guy, and he's got some psychic, as is the, the the normal take on these these buddy cop films. Some other dweeby, isn't it? Someone's pretending to be a, a cop comes along with him, something like that. I haven't seen those movies and I'm probably not going to see them. They haven't been terribly well reviewed. But yeah, I mean, Ice Cube, he, he, in terms of his acting CV, he's actually done quite a lot of comedies prior to this. So he's actually, in terms of his acting experience, he's, you know, he's playing within a certain range, but he does it pretty well. So I haven't got too many complaints about him uh, doing his little shtick here. Yeah, some bits were kind of sort of over-egging the pudding a little bit, I thought, but some bits were actually quite funny, so I guess we'll give him, give him the benefit of doubt. But in terms of other performances in the film, you know, you've got, uh, in the main roles, you've got Jonah Hill, who's an experienced comic actor, um, Ice Cube, we've already talked about, but I was also actually quite surprised by how effective Channing Tatum was as a comedic actor. What did you make of him here? Yeah, Channing Tatum is a funny one, really, because, yeah, not, not really known as you know, being a comedic actor but can do the job well and I thought he was he's very good in this his chemistry with with Jonah Hill works I've really enjoyed him in other films I mean he was really good in Magic Mike he was really really good in Foxcatcher I think sometimes to his detriment perhaps his physique maybe gets in the way of his acting ability he probably will only be cast in these kind of you know action man type roles because he's such a such a big guy unlikely that he's going to be um when they when woody allen decides to uh cast for his next new york uh, neurotic dweeb that he's going to come top of the list he's just not he's not only going to be able to do certain types of roles so um i i actually really like him yeah i think he needs a sort of someone to jump off if he's doing comedy you know i think 
Tatum is somebody who's actually slowly sort of impressed me over the years because when I first saw him, it was in uh, the Step Up movies, the uh, teen, <laughs> <laughs> the teen sort of dance movies, and you know he's got that. You know, so I, you know, I kind of pretty much wrote him off as a, a sort of generic, bland beefcake. But mm-hmm. he's actually sort of over the years kind of done, put together a sort of body of work, which has shown that he can actually do different things. And I agree with you. Steve Carell got a lot of the plaudits for Foxcatcher. But I thought Channing Tatum gives a really excellent, subtle performance in that movie as Mark Ruffalo's inarticulate, inexpressive brother in that film. There's another film that he did called Stop Loss, which is about America soldiers returning from the war in Afghanistan and Iraq and uh, he was uh, he was good in that and uh, yeah Magic Mike again he's using his physique in a lot of those films but in them he's actually doing some you know he's actually do, having to do some some sort of better acting and he's actually worked with some very good directors now like he's worked with um, uh, Michael Mann in Public Enemies so he's clearly navigating his career in a very clever way to kind of add different strings to his bow. He's doing a bit of a, a Matthew McConaughey, isn't he? Start off really badly, set the bar low, and then impress everyone by actually proving you can act and choosing meaty film roles you know, that you can get your teeth into. There are a couple of other performances in this film that I wanted to highlight. And I don't know about yourself, but I really enjoyed the performance of Gillian Bell as the roommate of Jonah Hill's girlfriend and Mm. uh, she actually turns out in the film to be quite a significant figure and I thought she pretty much stole every scene that she was in and you've already mentioned the elements of improvisation that were in this film I think her lines were very clearly improvised I think she actually I think you know Jonah Hill doesn't seem to have the chops the comedic chops to to have any comebacks he seems absolutely sort of struck dumb in those particular scenes and I thought she really stole the scenes and was one of my highlights of the film i don't maybe because i'm not i didn't really find her that amusing i don't know it's done kind of straight her i I just didn't i (laughs) spit it out man i just didn't find her very uh i didn't find her character very believable she was the daughter of the bad guy i don't know it's just i didn't really buy it didn't buy her didn't I didn't really like her as an actress. I don't know why. It just didn't 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 go for me. Well, it takes all sorts, Dara. It takes all sorts. It does. I can't I can't explain it. She didn't stand out. She was kind of doing. Oh, what's the um? um is it what's the blonde woman in Parks and Recreation called? Oh, is it Amy Poehler? Amy Poehler. She was doing an Amy Poehler. A young. Like if Amy Poehler was younger, they would have cast her in that role, and she would have done it better. That's my point. Okay. Okay. You've broken my heart there, Dara. (laughs) Well, I think they've announced a further sequel, imaginatively entitled 23 Jump Street. I wondered what you thought, though, after having seen this, if you thought there was actually much more mileage for these characters. What do you think about the prospect of another sequel? It's funny they are going to do another sequel, purely because in the uh, end credits, they mock the fact that a lot of these franchises go on to pass their sell-by date and end up being sort of mockeries of what they first started off. So in the end credits, for anyone who's seen this, they spoof potential sequels, you know, um, the guys getting back together to go to ninja school to foil some oriental drug dealer. And then there's another one where their medical students have to find 
some way of infiltrating a hospital and so they're taking the out themselves and yet they're going ahead and doing perhaps they will actually do a feature length version of airline school where you know they go on that they train to be stewardesses and dress up in drag and foil a bomb plot i just made that up on the spot see that i might car i might pitch that that idea (laughs) that's just come off the top of my head that's genius that's comedy right there's so many lines of comedy we could use on that so is that is that the plot have i ruined have i ruined it for everyone I, I don't think you've uh, ruined it, though. Um, I have read an interesting thing about a potential future sequel. It doesn't seem to fit with the idea of them doing 23 Jump Street, but I did read somewhere that they were talking about doing a sequel, which would be a crossover with the Men in Black franchise. And really? I don't know how that idea strikes you. How would that work? As so, Men in Black. I can't remember. Is that Men in Black set? It's Men in Black set in the present day with aliens all around us. So presumably the men in black people ask these two to join them to do something. It could work. It seems a bit of a mashing of different franchises together to the sum of the parts will be less than the total in my mind. I don't know. It doesn't sound, doesn't sound great. But then and the idea of another sequel doesn't sound great to me either. Well, I'm not sure that we really need another Men in Black sequel or another Jump Street sequel. So actually blending the two together might actually give you something that that works potentially in the fact that you only really want a little bit more. One less film to watch. Yeah. One rubbish film to watch. (laughs) One like that. One less awful sequel to watch. Yeah, we should really start pushing for them to. um, Actually, there's a few other franchises we should start. (laughs) exactly <laughs> just merge them all into into one and we can just like close off so many series with one and that's uh, what with kind one of marvel film. do these days get all that get a spider-man a superman and avengers put them all into one film that lasts for three hours all the idiots who like that rubbish will go and watch it and then the, the rest of the film schedules are not clogged up in the multiplexes with this trash that we have to sit through every six months before we start talking about the exploding helicopters, though, I just wanted to uh, have a quick chat with you about body cop movies in general, because I, I, I know you're a fan of them. And I think you particularly like the ones that we, we saw in the 80s. So uh, I don't know if there's any like particular favourites that you want to mention. Well, really, if you're talking body cop films, you can't look past the Lethal Weapon series. You've got your angry police captain. You've got your mismatched cops. You've got quite a plausible plot that they have to get through their differences to break through. Interesting characters. Like Great script by Shane Black as well in that. We're a big fan of Shane Black at Exploding Helicopter. He's, he does some good work. And it's set at the right time. Right, like bang in the middle of the, you know, the good, the good part of the 80s. You've got drugs in there as well. That's always a good one for buddy cop films. That's the high watermark for me. Well, there's one that I saw uh, recently. It was from the 80s. And I hadn't seen it for ages. And I was really glad I rewatched it because I actually thought it was really good. And I think that this is one that you might want to go back and check out again. It came out in 1987. It's called Stakeout. And you've got Richard Dreyfus and Emilio Estevez. Partnered... I, I'm, I'm aware of this uh, masterpiece. <laughs> And it's actually a really, really funny film. I thought Dreyfus and Estevez were a good comedy double act. They also have a kind of rival pair of cop buddies that they have a sort of running battle with throughout the film. And yeah, I thought it was a a really good piece of 80s buddy cop movie. Very generic. You know, it's not going to win any awards. But as in terms of entertainment, it was a, a great film. 
don't tell me. So Dreyfus was the grizzled policeman who's not got long to retirement, and Estevez was the punk, confident kid who brushes his way through through life. Was it? I don't remember the film, but I'm I'm guessing that was the premise. Is that um, right? Well, it's got a bit of a wrinkle on that because actually, sort of Dreyfus is gets involved in a relationship with this witness that they're supposed to be protecting. Um, She doesn't know that he's actually a policeman. So a lot of the film actually is is sort of Dreyfus doing things that he shouldn't really be doing in order to Ah. kind of keep the ruse alive. So uh, Emilio Estevez is is probably a little bit more of a straight man in this film because he's constantly complaining to Dreyfus about, you know, oh my, you know, we're, this is, this is madness. We're never going to be able to get ourselves out of this now. That's a film I might have to revisit. Okay. Right. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to be looking at the exploding helicopter action. All right, Kristen, I am so excited that you've decided to do a podcast with me, but what are we going to do a podcast about? There's so many other movie podcasts. we got to do something original. Well, you know, I'm a big fan of Disney movies. What about something like that? That's just kid stuff. What do we want to do that for? Did you know that The Avengers is a Disney movie or that Pulp Fiction is a Disney movie? Pulp Fiction is not a Disney movie. It's technically owned by Miramax, which is part of Disney. We are still going to talk about the Disney animated movies, though, right? I thought you said that was kid stuff. Well, you know, I've got two kids. i got to be a good dad and stuff. So be sure to subscribe to the Walt Sent Me podcast, where we discuss the various subsidiaries of the Walt Disney Studios, including the animated movies. It's available on iTunes, Podomatic, and wherever you find great podcasts. And I swear, it's not kid stuff. We're back, and now we're going to be looking at the exploding helicopter action. This takes place at the climax of the film as the drug dealers are trying to make their getaway in a helicopter. In their efforts to try and stop them, Tatum and Hill are now hanging precariously from the chopper's landing skis. Fortunately, Hill has a grenade stashed in his underwear. For reasons too tiresome to explain, Tatum has to reach inside Hill's shorts to retrieve the explosive. He pulls the pin and tosses it inside the helicopter, after which our heroes let go of the copter, fall into the ocean that's beneath them, where they're able to watch the helicopter explode into a glorious fireball. Dara, what did you make of the chopper fireball action here? I quite like this one, I have to say. I like the fact that it genuinely looks like a big chunk of strewn up helicopter smashes into the sea doesn't look like any cgi involved at all it looks like they actually don't know how they did it but they because you kind of see a shot of the the helicopter just fall from a height into the sea it's all in flame don't know how they did that shot where they must have just flown something over and dropped it so it looks very uh, authentic it's quite good banter it's obviously done for, in a sort of comedic way because they're sort of they're hanging off the struts of the the helicopter and jonah hill's got telling chain taken by the hand and he says Say something cool, and he goes, something cool, and you see the, the close up of the grenade go into the copter. I can't remember if you, is there a, do you get a nice shot of the bad guy's face as the helicopter blows up? I don't think that's a, if they didn't do that, they should have done that. You do. He gets a line as well. So uh, just after uh, Channing Tatum has thrown the grenade into the helicopter, it cuts to the main baddie ghost sitting at the front of the helicopter. And he goes, I've never felt more alive. And then cue the explosion. So that's good. See, that's good. That's excellent. So you got to have that little bit of as is a comedy, the nice little lines that is quite well, well thought out. The scene itself, very nicely done. Obviously, when the helicopter finally explodes and hits the sea and they get a massive cheer from all the spring breakers that are on the on the beach as well. 
exploding helicopters, I think we've agreed, should always be at the end of the film as the finale. It's odd when they're at the beginning or in the middle, at the end, where they should be. So in good exploding helicopter tradition, it's a fantastic scene, nicely executed, and uh, it's where it should be. I wholeheartedly agree. I thought the special effects here were great. Completely agree. You know, they may have CGI'd the explosion or the fire, but the actual frame of the helicopter looks a legitimate, actual real helicopter. And they they probably dropped it off a crane or something like that, I'm, ge- I'm guessing. But yeah, I enjoyed the fact that they are actually using the, a real shell, real carcass of a, uh, the real fuselage of a other helicopter solid that's that's what you need from it from a exploding helicopter yeah and i have to say i i thought channing tatum's line here is one of the great uh, one of the greatest uh, exploding helicopter kiss-off lines that we've ever had here something cool it's taking the mick out of the action heroes uh, one-liner i thought that that was a great comedic beat in the film um, but that wasn't the only exploding helicopter we get to see in this movie because in the closing credits which uh, we've already talked about which are some of the best uh, end credit sequences i think ever made we True. get to see a second exploding helicopter where i think it they're sort of talking in the closing credits along with uh, potent, uh, sort of all the potential sequels that they're playing around with they also uh, show some of the other kind of ways they're trying to exploit the marketing for this film franchise so, yeah the franchise so they've got sort of toys and there's a an idea for a computer game so we see an animation of the car that they drive in the film with Channing Tatum and Jonah Hill driving along in it they go up a ramp the car jumps into the air and as the car's traveling through the air Channing Tatum throws another grenade into a hovering helicopter and the grenade uh, once again explodes the helicopter so we get to see a another hel- exploding helicopter here and a rare one in the sense that we don't actually see that many animated exploding helicopters yeah it's, it's obviously a grand theft auto imitation computer game that they've actually referred to the film in the film so that you know these these directors are the kings of self-reference so they've managed to uh, replicate the end of the film at the end of the credits, which is, I don't think we've ever seen that before. Um, yeah, it's a nice little touch. And there are, it's just a shame there weren't more nice little touches like this throughout the film. Maybe if they got free reign and didn't have a Hollywood bigwig probably on their backs, you might have seen something that a little bit more original because you can, you can tell the directors are, have a lot of imagination and they, they have managed to create some good elements in, you know, a very well trodden genre. Now, when I watched this sequence again, I was reminded of another film. And Dara, I don't know, have you seen Furious 7? I haven't. Well, if you do, watch the exploding helicopter sequence in that film, because I think that this animated computer game exploding helicopter is the inspiration for the exploding helicopter scene that there is in uh, Furious 7. It is very, very similar. So in that film, we see Vin Diesel in his car uh, perform a jump. Um, it's slightly more audacious in that film. He performs a jump in his car, reaches out, and hooks a bag full of explosives onto the landing ski of... <laughs> of a helicopter the car is kind of corkscrewing a bit like that famous car jump in uh, the man with the golden gun Um, he hooks the explosives onto the landing ski you know kind of the car lands the bag of explosives goes up and and blows up the helicopter but i just thought it was very very similar and i i wonder if they watched the closing credits of this film and then they thought right that's our big finale for furious 7 
it, it could well have been their inspiration. I mean, uh, what what would those guys think of next? I mean, you think there's only so many ways you can blow up a helicopter, and then someone comes up with something as uh, as interesting as that. I might have to, I maybe not see the whole film, but actually watch that scene because it sounds great. Just fast forward to the end. I could do with most of these films. <laughs> Well, I think we've closed the case on 22 Jump Street. Dara, thanks for joining me once again. Would you like to sign off by saying something cool? My name is Jeff. (laughs) Don't forget to check out the Exploding Helicopter website or follow us on Twitter. We'll be back soon. But until then, keep watching the skies for those exploding helicopters. This podcast is a proud member of the Lamb Podcasting Network. Find the network at largeassmovieblogs.com.